special report. Hello humans, it's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show number 86, the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes, and with me as always is Josh. Hey there humans. And today we have a special guest host, a writer for Comic Book Herald, and a great friend of the show, Nathan. Hello, I'm back. I hope you missed me. (laughs) I've stolen we Brandon's spot, so, you know, it's going to go great. We're having a coup <laughs> up in this podcast. Having a coup. Part two. <laughs> All right, so if you ever want to get in touch with us, you can send an email to notarobotcomics at gmail.com, and you can get us on Twitter, too, at notarobotcomics. And if you feel like supporting us, you can. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast for just very little amount at a month. And we also have our very own Discord server. All of us here at Not A Robot are online and ready to chat about all sorts of things. There's always something going on, mostly in the comics chat, but every chat has some kind of discussion going on it's a lot of fun and with some support you can find your way into the server to talk all things geek with us and other fans keep an eye on twitter for more info and uh, yeah today's comics today we're looking at justice league number 74 wonder woman evolution number five batman the knight number three batman superman world's finest number one wonder woman number 785 nightwing number 90 Catwoman number 41, Flash number 780, and Detective number 1057. But before we get into that large load of books, let's get into the large load of news that came out this week. My god, was there a lot. A whopper of news. Man, and you guys were all over it. I don't think I got it all. (laughs) No, yeah, but between the two of you guys, you guys were all over it this week i didn't i couldn't keep up with the news that you guys were posting in chat (laughs) um how about y'all just share what you got um so we got just to walk through it real quick we got dc pride 2022 Mm -hmm. we got a dark crisis uh spinoff we got a dark crisis tie-in we got a black adam mini series ben abernathy has gotten a promotion he's of course in charge of the batman family as the group editor um, so his promotion is kind of big. And then Joshua Williamson did a ton of interviews. Um, there's some interesting tidbits I gathered from those that I think are worth bringing up. And what are some of them? Okay, so from Joshua Williamson's interviews. So uh, most of these come from the comic book. Uh, what's what's it called? The Word Balloon? Yeah, Word Balloon. Um, yeah. Good work because that's a lot of like fan asking questions. And I will say, fans are really bad at asking questions. Like, the number of times the family asked a question and Joshua Williamson was like, I can't answer that. Or it was like, or like, for example, he said, well, I've told you guys multiple times, there will not be a Justice League comic after this. So then the question is, so can we expect to see Yara Floor and Jonathan Kent in a new Justice League comic soon? And he's like, Justice League's not coming back. Like, I don't get what you guys are confused about, right? Um, and so fans are pretty bad at asking questions, but um, there was still some stuff that came out uh, from those interviews. For example, Shadow War was initially pitched in 2019, with the initial plan being for it to come out in 2023. But with Infinite Frontier coming out, it was moved up to Dark Crisis, uh, to be a setup for Dark Crisis. And the solicits are purposely being a little misleading about what the Shadow War is about, because I don't know if you guys have been following the solicits, but there's some worrying signs in the solicits. So 
If they're a misdirect, that's hopefully a good thing. Um, Joshua Williamson is going to be leaving Deathstroke Inc. after Shadow War. He said it will be obvious why. Um, but he will stay on uh, Robin, though. Um, Shadow War will also include more info about what Talia is doing. and opens with Talia trying to assassinate Deathstroke after Rachel Gould was killed. Um, one of the issues of the Shadow War is called Too Many Fucking Ninjas. Um, I think it's one of the Batman issues. He says that there's going to be a lot of ninja fights, so enjoy that. Uh, Superboy Good. Prime will not be in Dark Crisis. Um, and there was a whole plan for Red X to be in Dark Crisis, but it didn't work out because World War for Earth 3 ended up being earlier than Crisis um, rather than what was initially planned. So I guess War for Earth 3 was supposed to be after. I'm a little confused with that one. Um, and then there's a JSA book in development, but Williamson is not making it. So... Good news on that front, although there have been many JSA books in development that have never come out, so yeah. <laughs> take that yeah, with a bit true. of a grain of salt. Um, so that's what I got from the interviews. Not a lot. Uh, Williamson was a little cagey about some stuff. Um, he wasn't, like, cagey like about what? the Death of Justice League stuff, but it was, like, people were asking the wrong questions. Like, so a lot of things I wanted to know about, like, the macro picture, like, what comes after Dark Crisis or any of that stuff, no one even really asked some questions about. So I was a little frustrated by that. Fans need to work on their their uh, questions a little better. But um, but interesting stuff from William Sim. I think I'm coming out of like I'm excited for Dark Crisis, but uh, I think it'll be a really emotional event. Um, and he says it'll be like fun. Um, I hope so. But I also like there's something I think that's really exciting about like a s- tragic event bringing everyone together. And I think one of the places Heroes in Crisis really messed up with is it was a tragic event that really didn't bring anyone together. There was no like. There was no time to like grieve or really reflect on what happened. It was more like move, 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 move. And I really hope that Dark mm-hmm. Crisis takes the time to say what does losing the first generation, the like the most pow- the most like dominant generation of superheroes look like, right? Who takes charge? Who is do people look to? Those sorts of questions I think are really important towards the future of uh, the universe as a whole. Agreed. Fair enough. Yeah, that's that's exciting stuff coming for sure. Um, yeah, it's a shame about the questions that, that they just kept repeating the same stuff with different phrasing. That's he's not going to give away anything, especially he's not going to admit that a Justice League book could potentially come years down the road because that's not the plans. Why anybody would think that is kind of weird. Uh, have you ever been on comic Twitter? That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Plus, of course, the big news, yeah. I was trying to... Uh, you, you, you keep going. I'm just trying to figure out what, the, okay. what is left. Because so, <laughs> there's still a lot. <laughs> so the big news this week, of course, is from DC Pride 2022, um, yeah. where DC announced a bunch of stuff. Very excited about including Nubia, Queen of Amazons, which will be a new miniseries. Uh, there's a Poison Ivy miniseries coming out by G. Willow Wilson. Uh, there's the Multiversity Teen Justice uh, coming which will focus on the uh, Teen Justice, essentially the Teen Titans of Earth-11. Earth-11, of course, is the gender-bent world. Um, For example, that includes uh, Laurel Kent, Talia Kane as Robin, Jess Chambers as Quick, or Kid Quick, Jack Hyde as Aqua Girl, Donald Troy, and Clarion the Witch Girl. Um, But I think most notably, of course, is Jess Chambers, who was in Justice League Future State, um, and I totally expect that that's one of the main reasons they're doing this book is so they can introduce him into the larger picture of DC 
or I guess awesome. them, non-binary. Uh, and yeah. as well as a Tim Drake special, folk DC Pride Tim Drake special, which will be a collection mm. of the first three books or of all the Tim Drake uh, stories sold so far by Megan Fitzmartin, as well as one new one. And then DC Pride 2022's annual anthology. This stuff looks great. Um, I, I posted a little bit on the uh, Substack, uh, the comic Substack, and I guess accidentally the another one of the Not A Robot Substacks about like what the news is, the context, and what's important, the goods and the bads. Um, but, but of course, I've written my thoughts and be curious to you know what you guys thought of this news. I'm excited. It's a lot more than we got last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like they might have been just testing the waters last year, which I, I kind of get, but at the very least, just dive right in. I was very excited for DC Pride last year, and the fact that they're bringing it back is even more exciting, especially with all the, the other books that we're getting along with it. Let's give it a round of applause, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've noticed that's been really important to recognize about this event is Marvel's entire DC Pride is one single anthology. And it's like you compare them to DC and it's like, um, Marvel, really? This is all you got for Pride Month? Uh, Is one single anthology book, which you know is not going to be all that important to the larger picture. It'll be very skippable content. And there's no real commitment from Marvel to do anything. And DC's, on the other hand, has done a lot more with uh, Pride. Um, and this is a step up from last year. But I think last year was pretty good to begin with. So, uh, of course, we got Lobo and Crush, which was great. I really enjoyed that series. I don't know about you guys. Um, as well yeah, as, like, I that's loved when it. Tim Drake. <laughs> yeah. That's, of course, when Superman Son of El started. And while at the time we didn't have all the info we do about that series now, it's when it started. Uh, it's also when the Tim Drake uh, coming out story began was in June. So there's a lot of great books. And I'm really excited for to see where uh, DC goes from here. I'm a, I'm in complete agreement with you. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there, both both for and against this, the 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 progression that we see in DC Comics with their characters. And the one thing that I see a lot other than the hate filled stuff was I really didn't see that coming. I can understand the, that about the DC about, Pride 2022 or the hate about, about uh, like say about John being bisexual oh, yeah. or gay. Uh, for example, just, you know, industry or excuse me, uh publisher wide. And, you know, I, I can I can get that. I can pick that up. I'm fine with that. Except for Tim Drake. If you did not know that Tim Drake was bisexual and has been for like 20 fucking years, you have not been paying attention. Well, non-canonically, but headcanon-wise, basically every single writer's canon. Um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think for me personally, like there, there were, uh, I've always thought that there's a decent chance that John could be a queer character, but it's like, it's just sort of about like noticing the signs and like what queer coding is. There's different levels of queer coding. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I'm really happy with this news. Um, I, there was a bit of a discussion around like trans representation on Twitter yesterday that I thought was kind of interesting. Just basically saying like, there's really not much in the way of trans representation still at DC. Um, And I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Um, when your trans story in your queer in your queer anthology 
is uh, a story about uh, Barbara Gordon's friend uh, who's trans, then you've got some work to do. Um, but That's I know true. Dreamer, one of, yeah, but one of the exciting yeah. things is uh, Nicole Maines, who's the actress who, uh, who plays Dreamer on Supergirl. She's been mm-hmm. working on a project, presumably some sort of Dreamer project, either probably a comic miniseries or something along those lines. And they said that would we'll be learn pretty more cool. About that in June, yeah. yeah. So but there's the Dreamer some story good in that direction. anthology book was the the Dreamer story in that anthology really book it, from yeah. last year was pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. loved it. Yeah. So hopefully there's some good news coming in that front, um, but we shall certainly see. You know, mm-hmm. fingers crossed. Yep. You know that the Not a Robot comic screw will definitely be covering it, just like we did last year. The <laughs> anthologies, at the very least, will be featured in a special episode when they are released and if i could just go back without going on a rant uh to how marvel is basically releasing a book to please the target audience for the pride anthology that they're putting out without upsetting the rest well granted i am pretty much solely a dc fan but i'm just gonna throw this out there i can't expect much more than that from a company who keeps CB Sabolski still in power. And <laughs> yeah. uh. well, and then the other thing is I feel like this is a slightly more this is something of course to note, right? Is there's a lot of controversy right now with Disney and their support of the queer community. And it's important to remember that Marvel is yes. owned by Disney. Um and as such, this is not this this feels like the sort of thing that Marvel would do where they just wouldn't commit as thoroughly. Whereas I think DC, especially this year has been very, uh, not want to say aggressive with their support of the queer community, but they've been very adamant that, that, like, they, that they want to establish. Yes. That's a good, yeah. Where they want to establish that this is a universe that supports everybody. Um, and that we will, or will be very clear about our, a gay representation, whether it's John Kent this year, um, you had Hippolyta, who of course just got killed right after she kissed a girl. Um, but you know, you got Nubia, you have Jackson Hyde, you've got uh, Joe Mullane. Like you've got a lot of queer heroes in Diana. this generation of stories. Yeah, yeah. literally every and... single Amazon ever. Period. <laughs> Except Wonder Woman, you... kinda, who just has never, who like never kisses girls on screen in main continuity, because DC's like, oh, that's a little much. Um, but generally speaking, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, there, there really, was... I really admire that. A lot of the chatter I see online about that is a lot of disappointing because there there was a writer, I, I honestly I don't remember which runner it was, that pushed that narrative for Diana that she was bisexual because Amazonia, like that's the way they grew up. And she is that way, and he pushed that narrative, and then it was just forgotten. So it has happened. That was uh, Steve Orlando, who will be. Yeah, that was Steve Orlando, who will be showing up in April on this podcast for an interview. Sweet. Yeah, Um, but I think like part of the the problem, right, is in order to have Diana be a queer character, you have to tell queer stories with her, right? Mm. and they yeah, don't the they like they're like oh pride month we support like we use diana as like a picture of like a representation of pride but if you said when was the last queer in continuity diana uh bisexual story like yeah. queer story you could not it's be hard to name one right 
And I think that's important to pay attention to. Now, to be fair, Tom Taylor is doing something with Diana uh, in a Dark Knights of Metal or Dark Knights of Steel, I think is what it's called. Dark Knights um, of Steel. So, yeah. And that's been pretty good. But certainly I wouldn't call, say, it's a glowing take on Diana's uh, queerness. But also, I've been generally really happy with DC. Um, moving yeah, on, sure. um, exciting news. If you're a Christopher Priest fan, Black Adam is getting a miniseries by Christopher Priest. Ahead of I what was supposed to be, be to tie in, not as a tie-in to the movie, but as a like comic pairing with the movie, right? right. Um, but now the movie's been delayed, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited for Christopher Priest. He's great. Um, I enjoy his Deathstroke run. It's not my favorite, but I have a lot of faith in Christopher Priest as, as a writer, and I think he's one of the best, highest quality writers to get to write Black Adam. Um, so I'm excited to see where he goes. His style for Deathstroke, I, I fell in love with that, and it translated well into other books as well. I, his style is what draws me to his writing. It, it's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. With the, uh, the black pictures and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The black text, yeah, interesting. Uh, All right, the, well, what uh, else do we got? Only other uh, two more, two I more think of. stories, yeah. I think. Yeah. So, Dark Crisis, Young Justice. Uh, the Dark Crisis's first tie-in has been announced. It's Young Justice, and uh, it will focus on an identity crisis of sorts between Tim, uh, uh, Tim Connor, and uh impulse is bart and these three will apparently supposedly go missing after dark crisis and uh there will be a sort of crisis of sorts between the young justice to find them um megan fitzmartin is writing it who's been writing the tim drake is gay story uh tim drake coming out storyline and he said that if you were a little surprised by the tim drake story uh and he felt like it came out a little out of nowhere let me use this we're gonna use this crisis to provide a little more context so if i had to guess We'll be diving a little bit into the history of Connor and Tim beyond the friendship sense, you know? Yeah. So I'm excited. It'll be good. That'll be good, yeah. We'll see where it goes. Um, Yeah. And then last but not least, congrats to Ben Afranathy, Batman editor. He's done a great job with Fierce 8, in my opinion. You guys might disagree. Um, A great job with Joker War. He's done a great job keeping the Batman titles together and into a cohesive storyline and him being promoted uh, to executive editor is a huge deal, um, and huge. And I'm excited to see what that means for the future of DC. Yeah the 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 entirety of how well th- th- that used to be one of my biggest pet peeves was how in the hell is Batman in six different places at once in all these different storylines going on? It was bad enough we had three Jokers, but since. Uh, what I want to say, his dark designs. I feel like everything has just been meshed so well and has been so cohesive that I'm I'm glad that he's got that promotion because I can only I feel like I'm gonna be a lot happier than I was a couple of years ago. Things are gonna stay all glued together and making sense. So thank you, Abernathy. Way to go. Yeah, and I mean, we'll talk about this yeah. later, right? But I've been really impressed by DC's ability to tie things in together. This week, for example, there's a tie-in, or there's a part three of the War of 
for Earth 3 crossover had a great tie-in, um, and I thought was a great example of what DC is capable of. Um, and so I'm excited to talk about that, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Rob, did you have any um, other news did to you guys throw cover... in? <laughs> well, I had... Did you guys cover the movie delays last... Oh, well, did you guys cover the movie delays? Or did you guys miss those? Uh, I... Rob I usually we... takes care of the them, TV yeah. and movie things for us. Yeah, I might have mentioned it. I don't remember now. <laughs> it's been a busy week, so... Uh, but yeah, yes. the, the, yeah, Black Adam got pushed back, and I believe Flash in uh, Domino Effect as well got pushed, delayed to... I don't know if Flash got another date. Was it Flash or was it Aquaman? Uh, Damn, I, I hope it wasn't dates. Flash. Uh, Flash, Flash got, got pushed year. back again. Again. To, to 2023, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that Christ. means for the, the Black, to, for the Flash comic that was going to come out. Uh, they said I'm, it was I'm, because I'm... there were so many visual effects in the Flash that they had to delay it by a whole year. <laughs> like, That's... I don't That's know, man. That thing's been worked on for dirt what? <laughs> Two years already? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. It keeps uh, on getting pushed back. You know what? I want to get mad, but at the same time, it's almost an exact representation of Barry, the fastest man alive who never shows up on time. <laughs> hey. And then Shazam <laughs> got moved up to December for Christmas, so it's exciting. Oh, okay. Shazam too. That was good. Right on. Because that means, see, so we'll have Black Adam coming out, Shazam following that, and then in two years we get Shazam versus Black Adam. Please and thank you. Please, please, please. I think that is the plan, supposedly. I hope so. We'll see. But we know how Warner Brothers has been with following their plans so far. So <laughs> Warner Brothers doesn't have a plan. They have a trash can filled with bad ideas, and then they just go over and pick one up every once in a while. <laughs> Sorry, tell me how uh, I really feel. <laughs> the only other thing I've got is um, from the rival company. Miss Marvel got a Disney Plus trailer uh, yesterday, I think, and it that looks looked good. Interesting, yeah. I did that miss one really big good. news story. This is the last news story: uh, Harley Quinn spinoff show in the works. Right, uh, oh, Kite Man. hell yeah, Kite Man animated the animated series. <laughs> hell yeah. yeah, hell yeah. I have no idea what to expect from this, so we shall see. Uh, <laughs> we have was, no idea what to expect from the Harley Quinn show. Um, it the the Kite Man show is said to be like uh like an animated Cheers, like he buys a bar, <laughs> and it's oh it's, awesome. That's that's as much as I've seen, but I'm that's already the idea. in. I'm I'm sold on it already. <laughs> I am already in. Yeah. <laughs> Can't yeah. wait to see what kind of cast shows up on that. Uh so how I, I think that might be it. Unless you guys have anything else. Uh, I think no. it's time to no. shine the spotlight on some comic books, don't you? I think you're right. And before we do that, I just want to give an honorable mention to a book we're not covering this week, but one that I've been very vocal about how much I love it because I'm a huge Dan Jurgens fan. And that's Blue and Gold number seven. If you have not been reading this, definitely take a look. It's fun got times. all the the fun Blue Beetle and Booster Gold uh, hijinks. 
that you'd love to read from Dan Jurgens. He he never forgot these characters. He never left them behind, and he never lost his talent with them. And with one issue left to go, it brings back a nice twist from his Booster Gold uh, solo run in the late 2000s that I'm very excited about with a reveal that has been brewing for like 15 years. So definitely check it out. If you were a fan of that Booster Gold solo run, definitely check out Blue and Gold. You will not be disappointed. Thank you, Dan Jurgens. The only thing you've ever, ever, ever done wrong was Rick Grayson. That wasn't him, though, was it? What? He was writing Nightwing into it, but he didn't take take the character and run with it. That was Dan DeDio. He said, hey, Ben Percy, I know you're writing Nightwing, I know you're doing a decent job with it, but you gotta shoot a dick in the head. Yeah, it was Percy, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, but Percy did not want to do it. That's why Percy left after it in the first issue with Rick Grayson. He was like, I'm done. Bye. I don't. I uh, I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> oh, sweet um, baby Tom mm-hmm. Cruise. I would also say the <laughs> Generations miniseries that Jurgens wrote. Not the biggest fan of. Um, no. But generally speaking, yeah, Jurgens is pretty good, uh, and I generally like his work. I mean, it was okay for what it was. That it definitely wasn't gold star worthy. But uh, we do have some spotlight reviews coming up. We've got Wonder Woman Evolution. We've got Batman the Night. uh, Batman Superman World's Finest. And I guess the first one we're going to be covering is the last one Bendis is going to be doing. That's right. Justice League number 74. And if my notes are correct, Nathan will be telling us about this one. So, you're right. Justice League is coming to an end. Uh... And if you had to guess, we opened with a Bendis villain, uh, Zumbado. We then went to another Bendis villain, Sinmar. And then we went to a new Bendis take on a villain set of villains in the form of uh, the Royal Flush Gang. And then we ended, and then we end the series with one last Bendis villain, Xanadoth. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't remember who Xanadoth is, of course, he was introduced in one of the later ends of the Superman series he's like a lord of uh evilness and for context he's uh he was so powerful that he that all the lords of chaos and all the lords of order had to team up to beat him and that they realized that he could never be uh that he was banished and that they and the lords of chaos and order realized that they were that the fact they had to work together was ridiculous because they hate each other so they wiped everyone's memory so no one remembered who xanadoth was until bendis decided to write about him um but, but now the Lords of Order and Chaos are missing, and Naboo can't find any of them. So he thinks all hope is lost. But then he notices Naomi's energy is unlike anything he's ever seen. So he kidnaps Naomi and investigates her. And the Xanadoth and the Justice League plus Justice League Dark fight. Uh, Zan- uh, and Na- then Naomi shows up and does a finishing blow. It turns out that Naomi's powers amplify magic. Magic is stronger in the presence of Naomi. So Xanadoth is defeated and Kandak is in ruins, but the Justice League help rebuild. In the end, the Justice League discuss that Talia al Ghul is up to something big before the Legion of Doom attacks the White House and Hippolyta and Black Adam reflect on their journey, saying, I used to think this was another age of madness before Black Adam follows it up with, but now I think this is the age of heroes. Um, the only positive thing I have to say about this run is that Talia al Ghul is, uh, got a teaser at the end, and as you may recall, Talia al Ghul is in charge of Leviathan, um, and Shadow Wars coming up. So obviously Talia's up to something, and I'm excited to see what that is. 
Um, but otherwise, I have nothing positive to say about this comic. So, enjoy. <laughs> uh, that is fair. <laughs> I yeah, actually I, 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 do have, I have a special write-in from a Mr. Yes. Brandon who was unable to join us on this podcast, but he wanted his opinion heard specifically and only on this issue. He prepared a written statement and he shared it with me. And now I'm going to share it with you and our listeners. In his absence, Mr. Chandler would like to offer the following statement regarding Justice League number 74. The state of this book has been chaos for the last few months, and it is baffling how such a non-story could occur for so long. In response, I present this question to Mr. Joshua Williamson. Why kill the Justice League next month when they've been dead since November of last year? I look forward to your response, and I hope to hear from you soon. Warm but dissatisfied regards, Brandon Chandler. Now, I concur with Brandon's thoughts, and I wish to make an addendum to that statement. DC Editorial and Creators at Large, can we please have an emergency one-shot put out that explains that everything that happened within the Bendis book since his arrival at DC exists within its own universe, thereby disassociating his... I have good news for you. During the book, Batman gives Naomi a compliment, and it's a big deal because apparently Batman never gives compliments, so to give one to Naomi is a huge deal. And Batman says, I know this has been a hectic first week, but I hope you're, uh, I'm, I'm just glad, to, I just want you to know that you've earned your place. So as far as I'm going to translate that, all of that occurred in a single week of continuity. And in terms of the big picture of Infinite Frontier, which takes place over many more than one week, I have feel like it's safe to say that uh, <laughs> that uh, it doesn't, won't matter much at all. Well, uh, see, the thing is, the though, fuck? is that throughout all of Young Justice, Dial H for Heroes, everything that was under the Wonder imprint, his entire action run and everything to do with Naomi, adding that one week in with the Justice League, that means that everything that has happened since Naomi first appeared in a comic book took place over the course of three weeks. No, no, no. I I really want a one-shot that puts it in its own universe so that this misaligned representation of some of the world's favorite characters just go away as well as his... Go ahead. The things for me that work about Bendis' work and DC, and I trust me, I've read all of his work, right? So I feel like I have a decent sense of this. There are stories that have been decent. Checkmate, I think, when it on it by its own, has been generally good. I, generally speaking, enjoy Matt Leviathan. Um, generally speaking. Um, I think most of the Naomi-specific stuff has been very good. So, for example, Naomi Season 1. Naomi Season 2 has been pretty good so far, although it feels a little bit like Bendis is trying to be like, oh, but remember Justice League? Um, and then yeah. the first arc of Justice League of wasn't bad. Keyword is wasn't bad. Um, when it was specifically focused on Naomi, and I thought there was some cool stuff with, uh, for example, Oliver Queen's battle. And there's a couple moments that stick out to me. But once Bendis leaves one of those two areas where he's been generally pretty good with, it feels like he doesn't. Feels like he's trying to imprint his own will onto DC Comics as a whole. He said, exactly. in Superman, he said, oh, Sinmar didn't work, so let's put him in another book of mine and make him work. And some villains love to do this. A lot of writers love to do this. They create a character, and they bring back a character they created. You can see that with uh, Tim Seeley, with Defacer. 
um, mm-hmm. where Defacer was created for Nightwing Rebirth, and then he sh- then she shows up again in Tim or in uh, King Shark. Um, you see that, for example, with Bendis a lot, where he's bring back Sinmar, he brings back Xanadoth, he brings back Zimbato, and to be clear, Naomi is here to stay, and I don't think Naomi's a bad character. I just no. think the writing on Naomi, specific, and the direction Naomi's gone have not been great. Bendis needs is essentially needs to go back to the basics and really if he wants to keep going with DC or Marvel I'm really to say what was it about my early books that actually worked and that it's not as straightforward as oh let me just introduce a new hero right let me do something that you can't ignore let me create Simmar who you can't ignore let me create Xanadoth who you can't ignore right and how do you and he needs to re look at that what makes him work I think well, some of his book I think work at DC that's has been the decent. biggest problem. I think that's all he does. I think that he has recycled Miles Morales in every single book with that latter dialogue that he's become a non a, incredibly famous for, uh, blowing up and uh, covering up um, amazing artwork to just to have as many of his words on a page as possible. He does. Uh, he goes above and beyond to invent new characters, and and he just he overloads it with talking that's completely unnecessary, like a babbling teenager, like what we got in Miles Morales, and it worked in Miles Morales because it was new, it was different. But so and, and Miles Morales is a fantastic, a, a fantastic book. I will not shit on that because I think it was a really good read. I don't enjoy, I haven't enjoyed anything he has done since then because that's all he's done. Now the one thing and I've said it on this show multiple times. The one thing that I will give Bendis is that he does have good ideas. The idea of of um Xanadoth is a pretty interesting one. Naomi is a fantastic no, a, character <laughs> and I never want her to go anywhere. But he shouldn't be the one writing them. Um, and I do want to say is... one last thing, because uh, Bendis' work and Justice League story is, in a sense, continuing with Justice League versus Legion Superheroes. And I actually want to say, two issues in, so far, so good. I would give it a seven to an eight. Um, I think it's worked pretty well. I think there's been a lot of fun interactions. I think, I don't know what it is about that series that Bendis is paying a lot more attention to. Um, but two issues in, been pretty good so far. So we shall, so hopefully there are, Areas that he can improve. Um, I think just fighting like a classic sort of villain and the uh, great darkness at a time where like the great darkness is a huge threat to the multi to DC as a whole, I think has really helped that book out. Um, but you do not need to have read the Justice League series to read uh, Justice League versus uh, Legion of Superheroes. So well, that's that's you know. true because and, and um, I would have to agree. You don't have to have any backup because there's really. Nothing that happens in Justice League versus the superheroes. There is no verses, and it's just a lot of talk. No. We got a tiny so little far. glimpse no. into where the Gold Lantern came from, but yeah, I have not been the biggest fan of that either. I oh, feel yeah. like it was all gimmick. I enjoyed it. I've been enjoying it so far, but um, but I try to be on the more positive end of most work. So we'll uh, see. Yeah, um, so that's it for me and Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then that's just it for Justice League in general. Uh, until next issue, which I 
next month? The seventy five? Next month. May? Joshua? Yeah. Over it. Oh. Yeah. The grand finale and yeah, God, who knows when we're gonna see Justice League again if according to Joshua Williamson, never, but <laughs> you know, like five years from now somebody's gonna be like, Oh yeah, you know, we haven't done it in a while. I I'll give yeah. it a year. But Yeah. Um all right, is that it with just? Oh, I I gave Justice League uh, a five out of ten. I thought it was horrible. I'm glad to see him exit the series, and the art was the art was amazing. It's always amazing. Bendis gets paired with the best of the illustrators that any publisher has to offer. It's just everything else that kind of stinks. I know that's hard, and you tend to be more positive. I am over not there, the Nathan, biggest fan but... of the art. No, really. I am not the biggest fan of this art. I think it's way too unclear what's going on. The entire fight sequence, it was like, what's going on? It was lots of black and then red and blue, and I could never tell what was going on. So, not the biggest fan. <laughs> for me, it's a four. I think it's bad. I think it act like, for it to be something to be a four or lower, it has to actively tart some other element of the series. And I really think this this arc really hurt one of the few good parts of this book, which was the Just League Dark stuff. And I think on oh, top yes. of that, it really only hurt my view of Naomi. I think her babbling, her constant being like, oh, I'm new, by the way. Like, saying it over and over again is just repetitive and tiresome. Yep. Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of this work. I think it's the worst book DC's released in the last year and a half. Um, and I feel pretty confident saying that. So I am looking forward to no longer <laughs> having to read it. So, Bayonara Bendis. <laughs> um, so, so a side note on that and I've said it here before if, if you do like Naomi and you would like to see a great Naomi story check out the TV show I don't like CW TV shows I haven't in a long time the only one worth a damn is uh, Legion of Super or not Legion of Superheroes Jesus uh, Legends of Tomorrow for the silliness and I do enjoy or have enjoyed up to this point uh, Superman and Lois uh, but Naomi, Naomi is an excellent take on that character. It's not just watchable, it's fun. And it's pretty, it's totally different than what has come out of Bendis. It's an it's a great example of, well, the point I made, give Bendis the ability to come up with ideas and let other people execute them. And you'll get a show like this or a comic like this, and it's done really well. Go ahead and check it out if you haven't yet. Mm-hmm. Where's the look? And for Justice League, I, I've given it a score. What's what what score out of ten? Because I haven't really, honestly, I haven't read the whole thing. I flipped through the first part. I skipped the second because it didn't look interesting. I'm flipping through the third one. It kind of looks interesting with the Justice League Dark, but I I'll give it a fair shake and read the whole arc before I give it a score. But. Yeah, the dialogue just kills me, and I really don't like that explanation that all of his entire run took place in a single week. That's just too much. Especially when, before we got to Justice League, it was two weeks. <laughs> but that's neither yeah. here nor there, or in this yeah. calendar. What's up next, Rob? Oh, next we have Wonder Woman Evolution, number five, and Josh is going to tell us all about that. Ooh, my turn. 
All right. It's written by Stephanie Phillips and an art team from uh, with Mike Hawthorne on pencils, Adriano De Benedetto on inks, and colors from Jordi Belair with lettering from Tom Napolitano and Hawthorne and Belair on that cover. This is part five of Wonder Woman Evolution. So it starts out with scientist Dave and... Well, I, I would have guessed his intern, by the way, Dave speaks to him, Gary Van Houten. They are in the lab, and Dave is switching shifts with Gary, so no, not an intern. Dave's just an asshole. Anyway, they're monitoring something that has a body, and everything is going great. Until it's not, the body is acting as though it's fighting off an infection. So Dave initiates something called Project Titan, though we don't know what that is. Flipping over to... Flipping over to Diana, we see that she's in another of her forced delusions, continuing from last issue when she fought the Justice League. Apollo walks into the cell where Diana is chained up, tosses her an axe, tells her she's the guy playing dress-up, and that her punishment is coming soon. That's when Diana starts talking to her younger self and laughing about how ridiculous all of these trials are. The latest one is that she has to fight a sea monster made by Poseidon. She... Uh, realizes that she can breathe underwater. That confuses her, and then she makes the sea monster her bitch, riding it to the surface. Then she takes off on foot and meets a hooded figure that reaffirms that none of this is real, and it is a crew cut sporting Donna Troy. It's This is issue five of the series, and I am loving every second of it. I will, I'll reiterate that I wish this was what had happened to Diana, and I know Nathan won't agree with me on this one. But I, I wish that this is what had happened to Diana instead of going off to frolic with Siggy and the Squirrel, which sounds like a bad detective comedy aimed at children. The story is epic here. <laughs> Absolutely, and I do really enjoy the art, but it it almost seemed as though I just you know, I just didn't like the faces in it. And I that applies to, I think, I wanna say every single face drawn in the issue, but everything else was fine. Altogether, it's still a really solid book. There's three issues left, and I have a feeling I'm going to wish that these creatives were continuing on Wonder Woman because they've done a great job so far. Uh, for me, this one was worth a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying this one, too. It's I agree, the faces are a little kind of plain. Like There's not a lot of emotion on any of the faces. They're wonder. They're still well drawn, uh, but compared to everything else, the faces are kind of lackluster. Uh, it's a very curious story. It uh, it's still very enjoyable. I really enjoy the art, and this one, if you didn't catch it, had a very nice Simpsons reference with the two oh, doctors that. at the beginning. Van Houten uh, is the last name of Milhouse. And oh, I didn't the, realize that. And the doctor, he was taking over the shift from was Dr. Frank, which was Professor Frank, the resident scientist in Springfield. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You're going to have to drop that into uh you're going to have to drop that into the Discord because Julie and my wife do, will yeah. love that shit. <laughs> uh all in all I gave this one an 8.5. It's really enjoyable. Where were you on uh, at with Nathan? I have not. I'll have to be honest. I have not been reading this book. Um, I got through everything else this week. 
but uh, it's tough. But having to read catch up all the way on the series was a little more than I had time for. Um, so I'm just going to have enough. to defer on your judgment. Um, I apologize. I've read everything else uh, on comments. Of part of why I think after I think the Diana book with uh, the Norse mythology uh, that opened up uh, Infinite Frontier is one of my favorite stories of this year or of Infinite Frontier so far. I think it's been really spectacular. I thought it was really spectacular and I loved some of the roguelike elements. I loved some of the reveals. I thought it was just really fun. And it made me like Diana more than I typically do. Um, and I thought that like this plus what ended up happening with Wonder Girl and Nubia and the Amazons has really, was part of what really made the Wonder Woman books really special this year. Um, but I have not read Evolution, so I do not have a comment. No, that's fine. And yeah, if you if yeah. if you haven't read the issues leading up to a story arc that's self-contained like that, you know, uh, maybe maybe don't go into it on the issue, whatever, and go, yeah, this one wasn't bad, but you've got no idea if the four leading up to it were worth a damn. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm with you there. All right, what's up next? Uh, so speaking of evolution, we're going to look at the evolution of another superhero in a different manner, and that is Batman the Knight number three. And again, Nathan's going to tell us all about that. Uh, yes. So I don't have a lot of notes because this book is uh, a little straightforward. Uh, Alfred sent a detective after Bruce. After finding him, the detective realizes the man that, st that Bruce stole from was the serial killer that everyone's been looking for. So they work together to find the man, but at the diner, the uh, detective is shot, left without the detective's knowledge. Bruce figures out who the next victim is and fights the serial killer. After winning, he ke keeps punching the uh, serial killer until the thief girl he's with stops him. There is a violence in you, Bruce, she says. Bruce decides to work with the detective to learn a little bit more about him, leaving her, uh, the f probably the first person she's ever found he's ever found attractive, the thief girl, behind. Uh, it's kind of generic and boring. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of this book. I know Chip Zdarsky is writing Batman in the future, but uh, this is not a very good telling of how Bruce became the Batman. So it's a six for me. Okay. Uh, real quick, this is just for inform inform information for the listeners. The detective that Nathan mentioned, mentioned is Henri Ducard, and he has played a significant role in Batman's past. Uh, for me, I love the art in this one, man. Every single panel, especially the close-up of Bruce's face, those are immaculate. And I, I know that this is going to go against popular opinion, especially the one Nathan just shared. And uh, uh, definitely the, the Brandon's opinion. But I, 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 I don't care. I've, I've got to say it. This is how I feel. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is the year one book that we should have had. Hands down, bar none. It's a beautiful arc. It's a great story. I think it's an amazing series so far. And uh, um, yeah, it's it's outdoing Miller on a lot of different levels. Nine out of ten. Damn. Wow. Well, I do have to remind you <laughs> that this is not a year one story. It yeah, is a year like zero. Year negative three. <laughs> not zero year, but year zero, year negative something story. So... <laughs> I don't know if the comparisons to Miller Year One are quite at are quite useful, um, but I'll still say it I don't hate the story. It's just 
But yeah, this is not my kind of story. I'm not the biggest fan of all of these Batman out of continuity stories. I don't think most of them are all that great. Um, and I'm not the biggest fan of this one. Sorry, Chip. Sorry. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I can agree with you there. I don't really care too much anymore about uh, his time before Batman, even currently i'm not caring as much about his time as batman i'm just not caring about bruce wayne much at all these days but honestly this story kind of turned me because this is not a part of his life that we often see explored we've seen him in the past like going around the world when he's like a young adult uh in his early to mid 20s and just exploring the world and learning from all sorts of people but it's always been in another story it's never been the focus of the story and this is pretty much when he first starts and this is explaining where he started and who he meets and and that's the whole story there's no actual batman here and i'm all for that um and he's a lot younger i think this is an age of bruce we've never seen before because he's he's what 17 at this point i believe so is very very young um and i think that's that's an interesting take on it so i might also just be a zadarsky fanboy you know repping canada and whatnot but <laughs> uh i i i'm digging this book i think the the art's fun i i think Henri ducard is a is a wonderful character that needs to be used a lot more but maybe not too much because we don't want to like kill his potential uh you don't want a batman yeah you don't want a batman Henri ducard unless you actually turn him into batman in which case you did the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do there you go <laughs> yeah what if we zipped him forward into when he was a superhero and teaming up with his best friend? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Speaking of Batman, actually, I think oh yeah, because yeah, that's not. I was thinking we're going back in time, but now we're going a bit forward in time, but not all the way to the present day. We're gonna see the world's <laughs> finest coming together. Oh, I didn't do my song. Going back in time. So, it's Batman, Superman, <laughs> World's Finest, number one. <laughs> uh, and this is written by the legendary Mark Wade with art from the also legendary, I'll say, Dan Mora, with colors from the, oh, yeah. let's say it, legendary Timer Bond Villain. Love the colors. And letters from, you get it too, legendary Aditya Bidikar. Uh, so I'll keep this one brief. Uh, there is a lot to talk about, but you can easily boil it down to a few sentences. So chronicling an early adventure between Batman and Robin and Superman, Poison Ivy is attacking Metropolis, and Metalo is joining her side of the fight. The pair are defeated only after Metalo infects Superman with some red kryptonite, and his only hope after going crazy with random superpowers and transfiguration, Batman can't do much. His only hope is to call on Dr. Niles Calder and the Doom Patrol. And if I write that right, the end of the issue showed Dr. Niles Calder with kryptonite surgery tools. It indeed, it did. Yeah. Which is super weird, but hey, that's that's Doom Patrol for you. So (laughs) honestly, I think great first issue. It's a wonderful art that we've come to expect from Dan Mora. It's an interesting plot so far but i think it is something that we've seen before now how many times have we seen red kryptonite being used how many times has it just been like a batman superman book has had two heroes fighting villains from the rogues gallery that have teamed up unexpectedly it's been done 
but I like the idea that Doom Patrol is involved. I don't think we don't get enough of the Doom Patrol these days, and throwing them in might be a, a different wrench in the books. Plus, there is a big bad hidden in the shadows somewhere. I also feel it's refreshing to have a story from this era again. I'm I'm all for the evolution of characters and the evolution of these stories and seeing the sidekicks rise up and take the big names. But you know, sometimes this era was fun, and sometimes it's good to have a story from this era just be featured and it being in a book like this separate from continuity and still active while we're still getting the evolution i am all for especially if it's written by mark wade so this is a 9.5 out of 10 for me what do you think nathan generally enjoyed this book i thought the doom patrol inclusion was great um, one of my big struggles with a lot of Golden Age books and Silver Age books is that they can often feel very messy and they move at such a fast pace that like has a bit of, I want to say like loony is the wrong word, but like this bit of a like, like hectic sort of like sense of like what is going on um, where it often feels like the like it's more focused on being like a fun story rather than having something I think more interesting to say. Um, and it's not because like this book is bad, but because uh, it's not my type of book. Um, and I want to be clear, Mark Wade. I know there's a lot of history with him in DC, and I'm beyond thrilled he's getting to write this book. I just hope that we see this book pick up a little bit more on what the bigger narrative is. Uh, I know there seems to be some sort of hint um, that seems a little bit like, uh, I want to say, who's the guy? Is it the uh, from Multiversity? That oh villain God. seemed to be showing up a little bit. The the Magog. shadow outline. To yeah, me, that's like, Magog. Yeah. yeah, and like I think I'm much more curious about that. Um, but I did like the Doom Patrol stuff. I am... I like Doom Patrol. I know this is an example when I say, like, characters, like, writers love to bring back their own creations. Mark Wade, huge writer on Doom Patrol, right? Uh, it's one of his featured works at DC, and obviously he's going to bring back the Doom Patrol. And um, I like the Doom Patrol a lot, so that was enjoyable. But I also didn't really feel like we got... Like, I felt like... It felt very, like, hectic. And But I'm, I hope that this next issue dials that in a little bit more. Um, because I think there's a, something really interesting about this idea of like, oh, the doctor does surgery on Superman. And I'm curious to see what that's going to be. So we'll see. It'll be fun. Uh, it's a seven. eight, seven for me. Seven. Cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So um, that little preview slash opening act that we got as a backup here a little bit ago, it didn't it. It set this story up, and I really liked it. I loved it. It made me crave to see what was coming next. Such an incredible team up of Wade, Mora, and Bonvalain. But how do I say this? Um, I had no idea how great this was going to be for me. Uh, this truly feels like good old classic Superman and Batman, a team, and Robin. Okay, that was Dick shouting from behind me. <laughs> that was that was throughout the whole book for people who haven't read it yet but uh jokes aside this is golden slash silver heavy probably leaning more on the silver age of comics done in modern times and it's way better than i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be 
just take taking old Silver Age characters and throwing them on a, a modern book. And really, I don't see that. I feel like it's taking those Silver Age characters and doing them right. And that's going to piss some people off. But that's what I do on a daily basis. So this story sets up what I expect to be an amazing arc. And from that shadow that I saw in one of the panels during the attack, I can only assume that the one behind all of this is Magog, who also, building on what uh, Nathan mentioned about the Doom Patrol, uh, Magog first showed up in Kingdom Come, and he is also a creation of Mark Waits. So, um, is this is this going to be an ongoing? Please say it's going to be an ongoing. Yes, it is an ongoing. It is an ongoing at the moment. Yay. At the moment. Uh, I hope and so. I they hope said that there will around. be events to come. Yeah. Nice. There has been teased that there will be events to come of some sort, so I'm sure we'll see more of uh, whatever the series has. And I hope that it will have a bigger role in the future. For me, there's a couple of possibilities. One, this could be related to Dark Crisis in some way, and it's like a different part of the multiverse, and we'll eventually see this come back. Who knows? I'm just I'm that curious. Be I think it'll be interesting. That would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I I I I like this book, um, you know, and a hundred percent. I'm obviously all for progression of characters and storylines and what we're seeing come out of DC today. If you don't think so, go read our Twitter. Um, <laughs> but um, there was something really nice about reading that old school Silver Age Batman and Robin together, or Batman and Superman and Robin together. And kicking out what I still felt was like a great story, um, even if it doesn't tie in, tie into the main universe. And honestly, I hope that it doesn't, because I, I, I myself, I've got some major reservations about what's going to happen with the with the uh, Dark Crisis and the follow up to that. Uh, it it has me gen genuinely concerned about how it's going to turn out. And if that's the case, then at least I'll have this to carry me through it because every other book out there is going to be tying into it. Uh, I honestly, I can't think of a single complaint for this issue other than we didn't really need a flashback to the moment where they learned that they could trust each other. That took too many pages up and everybody already knows that part. But even, even with that, um, I give this, issue the height the highest rating i have ever given on a show since we started that's a 9.75 out of 10 wait you've right. never given a 10 on this show oh no wow i am yeah. stunned i well no you'd have that to be disappointing <laughs> nope 10 a 10 is wow actually you know what i will take that back uh, Traveler's Insurance Company. They put out a comic book uh, with Gail Simone about a uh, inspired by a child who uh, died in a car accident, and every he was killed by a drunk driver. Or no, excuse me, I believe it was actually somebody who was texting and driving. And they got with Gail Simone. And they put out a comic book uh, representing him. I, if you haven't gone out and read it, I suggest you do. It is really good. It's only a one shot. It's not an ongoing series. It was just a tribute because. There was nothing that this kid loved more than superheroes. So they turned him into one. And it's called The Legend of Zadi. Go out and pick it up. That one was beautiful. That made me fucking cry. And that issue did get a 10. 
but that's the only one. Fair enough. That, wow. that is definitely okay. a beautiful issue. That is an interesting choice. So does that make this your favorite comic of all time? No. It's uh, but right. then again, we've never okay. gone back and we've never gone back and done retro issues and whatnot. But it is the highest rating that I have okay. given on the show. Yeah. I think that the next wild. highest rating. I'm sorry, uh, that is wild. I've given a <laughs> lot of nine point fives. Uh, not a not not a shit ton of them, but I have handed out nine point fives before. And if I'm being completely honest, most of those have re- over the course of the last six months, at the very least, have gone to Tom Taylor. Hell of a story wow. writer. Okay. And there there has been tens. Like Brandon and I have given some tens. Yes. They have but, given but, tens. I've not. Yeah. When but I was Brandon, last on the show, I gave a ten. But Yes, you did. Okay. Yeah. 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 You guys, hey, honesty is the policy here, man. I just yeah. a ten has to be a, a ten isn't a ten unless it's damn near unatta- unattainable. Uh in my opinion. This also comes up. Brandon won't give anything lower than a five. He just won't. (laughs) (laughs) He can talk. He'll talk shit about. He'll talk shit about an issue and go. "Eh, I'll give it a seven. (laughs) All right. Before I start making fun of him too much, are you guys ready for a commercial break? I think we are. Now back to our program. Welcome back. As Brandon always says, I hope that wasn't too painful, but who thinks it's painful? I think it was very nice. <laughs> Maybe that's just the Canadian in me, as Josh would say. <laughs> uh, so Lord we are now me. on to our regular reviews. We've moved on from the spotlights. And first up is Wonder Woman number 785. And that comes to us from writers Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad with art by Rosie Comp. With colors from Tamar Bonvillane, letters from Pat Brosseau, and a cover from Travis Moore and Tamar Bonvillane. So Diana is determined to find out who killed her mother by using the lasso of truth on every Amazonian on the island. It's going to take forever, and you know, that's just going to be the rest of the story. Like The next four parts are just Diana going through each tribe and every Amazonian and figuring out who killed Hippolyta. It's, it's kind of lackluster, but you know, I dig it. <laughs> See, now, I thought they were just going to stretch out the lasso of truth and, and they had to put hand to hand to hand to hand to hand all the way across it. She was going to say, like, who killed it? Or the <laughs> island. Yeah. All right. Everyone speak at once. Who said no? <laughs> okay. Obviously, that didn't happen. However, of course, everyone is against that plan except for Diana. Uh, she does eventually decide to relinquish her lasso to Queen Nubia and goes off to visit the Temple of Athena for some guidance. She is then visited by a very curious ghost that hints that she should join the trials. And meanwhile, the other two tribes are selecting their champions, Lara Flor for the Escasita, and surprisingly, Donna Troy for the Banna Magdal. Queen Nubia, however, is having a hard time with all that's going on and selecting a champion for Themyscira. And during Hippolyta's funeral, Doom's doorway begins to crack, and the three Amazonians guarding it are attacked by some venom symbiote looking thing with two of them being killed and eo of themiscara being severely wounded and i guess hospitalized i don't know if they have what you'd call a hospital on paradise island but you will go they have the purple healing ray that's it that's it yeah 
God, I wish they'd put that in all the hospitals. <laughs> right? It'd make this so much easier. Yeah. <laughs> so this does pose an even greater need for the trials to begin, and the next day the champions are announced. Philippus, captain of the guard, is selected for Themyscira, standing alongside Yaraflor and Donna. But Diana interrupts, kind of rudely in the middle of the Ben McDowell selecting Donna, uh, to enter as a surprise fourth contestant, claiming to be part of no tribe and therefore legal to contest. Honestly, brilliant plot so far. I'm digging it. There's lots going on, but it doesn't feel overstuffed. I'm hoping the pace stays throughout the rest mm. of the event. The art is wonderful. There's so much. Like you, you open with a chakra of Apollo getting killed, and you just go from there. It, when I think back in the last three parts, I think you know, not much has happened, but it feels like so much happened at the same time. It's really weird, but I'm still digging it. And I, I did mention this in the Discord. This kind of surprise twist ending with Diana taking part in the trials reminded me so much of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. How there was three <laughs> people. And the try was a tournament, and Harry gets selected as a fourth out of nowhere. It's just weird, but again, I dig it. It's an 8.75. It's a lot of fun. I really like this event. I will say it over and over again. And I really like this event. I am really enjoying this book. This is exactly what I really wanted out of a Wonder Woman event. Um, I think they really nailed it. Um, I think one of the things that makes made this book really fun is I think it's important, like Diana's role in all this conflict and all that's been going on, it's been very removed. Diana did not know, knew about the Esquisita when, uh, when like the Themyscirans knew. She's been dead. She's then been very wrapped up in the affairs of man's world. Like she is not, she's got a lot of stuff to catch up on. And I think that's been really cool. I think one of the things that makes this cross the, these crossovers really work well is how the story, of course, they're a part of. Like, this is a Wonder, Wonder Woman issue, so Wonder Woman's got the main focus. And I think they really do a really good job moving the plot forward by giving you a good look at where Wonder Woman's head is at through all of this. Um, I think Agreed. Wonder Woman's a little impulsive, a little brash, but I think that's been part of what's been really cool. I really like the moment where she gives up the lasso of truce. Um, because I think it's a good sign of what's to come. And I also think with the context of all this being Wonder Woman's probably about to die again, but this time for real, is um, just is <laughs> underlines all of this and I think, a really intriguing way. I, I agree. Would, would you give again. it? Would it I give it? Um, yeah. I think I'm at an eight... I just think this is missing, like, that little pizzazz factor. Um, there's a couple of questionable things that really threw me off. Uh, I don't really understand the Don Troy. I know that Donna and Artemis have history, but, like, maybe I'm just missing some part of Donna's history, but it seemed like a bit of a weird choice. Um, but I'm probably just missing something because I'm not the biggest Wonder Woman reader ever. Well, um... I'm assuming that the whole Donna thing, because they're like, well, we'll get a weapon ready that doesn't need to be ready. And that's Donna Troy, who at one point was Troika and holy hell. Um, but I, I I was really surprised that Diana threw her hat into the ring until we started talking in Discord and then all kinds of theories started spilling out of it. I wasn't expecting that at all. Now, 
since she's doing this as a champion for no tribe, what does that mean going forward? Will the other tribes, especially the Bon and McDowell, be insulted? Will Wonder Woman will Wonder Woman win and get put on do- Doom's doorway duty? I have to see. I I am a bit disappointed that I won't get to see Artemis fight because I love me some Artie. But hey, yeah. we got Donna Troy, so just bring back the star pants and everything will be a okay. This is super cool. Um, I'm digging the Amazon universe world building. And I'm excited to see what this means a year or two down the road, hopefully, with all of them united together as one big, maybe not so happy family. But uh, there is, there's just, there's so much potential. I'm looking forward to see how it plays out. Oh, and uh, Rosie Campe, uh, or Comp, and uh, Tamara Bonvalin, I, I, they do a spectacular job of bringing this issue to life. It looks good. It reads good. It has potential. I really dig it. This is just a little too short. This front half of the book, I gave an eight. The back half of the book, not so much. Yeah, see, I, I forgot about the backup, which is kind of telling. So <laughs> this is The Return of the Adventures of Young Diana. Uh, this was written by Jordi Belair with art from Paulina Gunnarshow. Colors from Kendall Good and letters from Becca Carey. So young Diana is getting lessons from her mother Hippolyta in how to be a leader and also show her sides of Themyscira she has never seen before, such as the gardens, which is run by Georgina, where all the food on the island comes from. And against Georgina's wishes, Hippolyta insists that she and Diana help with all the work. Uh, honestly, it's, it's, it's the same thing I'm going to say about any time we see young Diana. It's not bad. But it doesn't fit here as a backup. Yep. You have a, such a serious story, and then you have a story that feels like it's made for children, and it just mm-hmm. doesn't fit together. I don't think the Young Diana series is bad in any way. In fact, this story I think might be more interesting than the last one. But like I said, it still feels out of place and will be more suited as its own book and market it to the kids. I had Agreed. comics for kids when I was a kid, I, re- I still have some. I have all my like Gotham adventures and Superman adventures. I have my adventures in the DC universe where I first saw, you know, Kyle Rayner and um, Green Arrow. Oh my God, what the <laughs> blanking on his name teaming up, and I thought that was really cool. So why not have this still as as a kids book? Why is that to be a backup in this main story that is very much for adults? 7.5 still, because the art's fun and cute, and the story's interesting, but it just doesn't fit here. Yeah, I decidedly do not like so Return. here's of. my... <laughs> Go ahead, Nate. Yeah, here's my take on all of this, right? Uh, if you notice, a lot of what young Diana has been doing is establishing a culture with which the mascara exists in. Um, you notice you've probably noticed a lot of connections between that and the, the like, Nubia and the Amazons, uh, especially establishing some of the mythos around the door of uh, the Death's Doorway or whatever it's called again. Um, a lot of that was established in Young Diana. Um, you also know that characters, for example, there's a moment where, like, you like, know, oh, this, this Amazonian died, and then they show up in Young Diana. And it's like, and there's a little bit of a 
and you know like that hit that take feels a little different right where i think there's kind of a cool hey you know what's happened to these characters let's go back and learn a little bit more about who they were um but generally speaking it does feel a lot of place um it's never been a bad story it's just never been felt super relevant even as there's definitely some relevant things if i had to guess after trial of amazons i think we'll get a lot more connections between that and the wonder Woman book to wrap it up um, to sort of like say, hey, let's look back at some of the ideas we introduced in the Young Diana stuff and take it to the more present day. Um, but generally speaking, it's been a pretty good story. Um, but it's also, I think you guys have spelled out where its weaknesses are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I decidedly don't like it. Uh, I thought we were done with it. I, 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 like Rob said, I don't understand why it's here. DC puts out books for older teens and adults and they do it flippantly. There's so many. They've got the YA, which is like 10 and up. Uh, and, and and that's that's going a little low on some of them, according to some parents out there. But we really don't have much for children, children. And I don't understand why these stories in Young Diana and ones like them they would be wonderful for my six-year-old to read. He would love this so much. But instead, it's in the back of a, a, a Wonder Woman book that I can't just hand over to him because he's not going to get it. And that, that bums me out. This story should exist well, completely separate. I want to be separate. clear about something. I think you guys are missing... I think you guys are missing something. The story, the, the first part of the story, was released as a one-shot uh, as young Diana or whatever, right? So it's not like they they are releasing this and like these sort of one shot issues uh, every like after every certain number of stories. So it's not like this is completely um, stuck with the Diana books. So anyway, I just wanted but, to correct yeah, that. Yeah, they did. Re- they did release the the trade collecting all of the issues from the first one. You're right. Thank you for reminding me that I gotta get on Amazon now. You're welcome. <laughs> Altogether, um, because of the mismatched story, I did allow the young Diana backup to pop the score down for Wonder Woman down to a 7.5 instead of the 8 that it would have been had it just been the Wonder Woman story for me. But that's just me. Oh, and also, um, the character that has been showing up in here, I.O., I, I finally I'm like okay I've got to look up how to pronounce this I'm having a hard time pronouncing it because the I is pronounced like the it and fit and then it's a hard O at the end so it's like ill and I'm not sure how to how to correctly say that I thought that was weird I thought it was worth talking about but um yeah that's the Greek way to say that name and I it it it's I still can't say it quite right (laughs) It, oh, I have to I have to put like a hyphen in there. But anyway, you can we're ready to step off of Themyscira, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we certainly are, and that will take us from Themyscira all the way to the foreign land of Bloodhaven. Uh, not to be confused with Bloodhaven. This is the more violent Bloodhaven, because Bloodhaven does not exist. Uh, that's you. right. We are talking about Nightwing number ninety, and I'm gonna pass it on over to Nathan. 
Uh, I'm very confused for that transition, um, but we'll roll with it. So um, this issue opens with Dick Grayson having an assassination attempt on his life uh, because some people try to blow up the entire block he's in, um, but he gets he gets tipped off by his sister at the last second, and he manages to get everyone out by pulling out the fire alarm, and then uh, he rescues this guy with the hearing aid, um, and didn't know the fire alarms were going off. And just as he jumps out of the building, there's a giant explosion. Uh, while he is on the TV, he hears what happens, and he rushes over to the apartment, and he realizes Dick is okay. And they figure out how to deal with Dick Grayson's whole I-just-lost-my-entire-house situation, and he ends up crashing on Wally's couch. Uh, he's woken up by Jay and Irie. Uh, they're super cute, although they have a little bit of an absurd uh, joke with bacon. Um, it was really strange. Uh, and that morning, Barbara <laughs> Gordon is kidnapped. Um, she manages to get out, and they swap with, and she swaps with Nightwing and Flash, and the truck arrives where she's being kidnapped with, and KG Beast is on the other side of the truck. Um, and of course, KG Beast and Nightwing have a lot of history. And Wally is thrilled to be able to get his revenge on KG Beast. So uh, there was an interesting note about like the the group that's being hunt that's hunting now Nightwing or whatever is called La Agent Funebre. Um, but there is no comics continuity there as far as I could find with them. So they're kind of a new group, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, but generally, I my biggest issue is I feel like the story is so obsessed with making sure that Dick Grayson is constantly in danger that it feels like there is never a, like, it feels like the plot's not actually moving forward. You know, it's like, oh, Dick Grayson tries to come out publicly. Someone tries to kill him. Dick Grayson tries to do this. Someone tries to kill him. Oh, now I need to go do a crossover with uh, Superman. Right. And I just feel like the story has been in the same place for the last like seven or eight issues. Um, I'm starting to get a little tired of it. But I enjoyed the story, so I'm going to give it an 8. But it's on notice. It's on notice. Let's me know. If I come back <laughs> on this podcast and reviewing this comic and the story is not moving forward, I will drop it down for every by a point every time the story does not move forward. So let it be known. Omi sounds like me talking about the tower in the shadow of the bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that story moves not. forward. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, you're man. definitely not wrong about this not really moving forward because at the end during the credits it says this is part three and it it's been going since Taylor's first issue with it I think so it's it's definitely been a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's part three of like the second arc or whatever because they took a break yeah. for the crossover. Yeah. But like, I don't like part two was the one with Titans, right? Where the Titans can reunite or whatever. And that was also about Dick Grayson being under attack. Um, And is that just like every single one of these issues is going to be about Dick Grayson's life being in danger and Nightwing having to save him or whatever? Because I'm getting just a little tired. But I like the Jay and Irie stuff. I thought this was great in terms of like like reading the Flashbook. Um, this feels a lot like this felt at times like a Flash comic. I thought what really made this work as a quote-unquote crossover was that like it felt like it had the heart of what makes like the Flash comic really fun right now, and they brought that into Nightwing, and I really like that part of it. Um, Jay and I are cute. Although, can we talk about this? So there's a whole bit with Bacon where there's where they're like, uh, "We made you breakfast because we couldn't get screen time until you woke up," 
Uh, and then, and then uh, Jay was like, uh, do you have to cook bacon? I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Don't let kids what? cook unattended. Jay, there's no way Jay is that dumb. Like, I hate when writers are writing children and they write them like they're uber dumb to be cute. But, like, they're often way smarter than that. And it's just like, there's no way any five-year-old be like, do you have to cook bacon? <laughs> Come on. And also, Jay and Irie are not five. They're much older, so <laughs> it's not great. But it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Dick and Wally, Wally and Dick. Do I need to say more? I love seeing them together. Um, this continues to be crafted deliciously, in my opinion. I have to say, between Injustice and Rick Grayson, I wince every single time I see Dick Grayson get hurt in the head. Every single time. The, the, yeah. the, well, whole, the whole premise of this run so far has been, let's keep trying to make Dick Grayson become Rick again. It better not be. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, also yeah, worth noting is that quiet. this whole sister thing that he's got going on doesn't seem to be going away, and I really thought it would be. So I have to admit, I'm really curious uh, uh-huh. there when... When that was first introduced, I'm like, yeah, that's not going to stick around long, but it is. Uh, Dick consistently wearing DC Comics shirts has me laughing every single time I open an issue. It gives me a giggle. (laughs) A big down vote for giving us only, what, uh, 22 pages? That sucks because I could read this series 30, 35 without blinking an eye. There is a lot going on, but for me, it all feels streamlined, pretty easy to follow. I love it. I love it. I I love it like I love cheesecake, and that's saying a lot. Oh, a, a a critique here, and not really a huge one, is that Adriano Lucas's colors are always amazing, like always. But it felt like no, nah, I didn't feel like the shadow shading was off throughout the issue. Lines didn't really mesh. The direction of light sources were off in some. Um, not. Not too much to get horribly down on it, though, but that kind of stuff does stick out to me. Uh, Altogether, though, I thought it was a pretty solid book, and I gave it an 8.25. Yeah, I honestly, I'm running out of words to describe how much I love this book. (laughs) That's that's pretty much all I wrote, because I I didn't know. (laughs) I feel like I just praise this book all the time, and I just don't know what else to say. Thesaurus.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just start going alphabetical order and just go through all the all the words I can think of. Uh, <laughs> honestly, though, between between the art and the dialogue, what's not to love? Um, yeah, there there are some some issues that can be said about it, but they're very few and far in between. It's been a fun ride. I've been loving the ride. I am all for the crossovers because if there's one thing that i think really suits dick grayson is that he's a people person that's one of the biggest thing that sets him apart from bruce wayne is that he is lighter he is happier he is all out in the light he is he'll use the 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 shade and the shadow to his advantage but he'll do more banter and talking than he will punching and kicking um, and having all True. these people cross over into his book and, and visit him and help him out, I think is great. He's got a lot of friends with the Titans, um, and it's great to see them join in and just seeing these two 
guys that were friends from their teenage years and like trashing on his couch and like having a sleepover. It was so much fun. Uh, as a nine out of ten for this one, I I am all for it, and I. I'm just happy we're getting back to this uh, kill Dick Grayson story. Not that I want Dick Grayson to die. I also wince when he gets hit in the head. Like that's that might be my biggest gripe. Why did you have to hit him in the head with that rock? Like, come right. on, don't do that to us. <laughs> hit him somewhere else. <laughs> Fucking anywhere. Maybe throw else. KG Beast in the mix for fuck's sake. If it, oh my god, Nathan, if you spoke Rick Grayson into existence again, oh my god, <laughs> I'm gonna email you a fart. I mean, let's talk about this, okay? <laughs> the last issue, that so Nightwing 80, 88, right, has a moment where an assassin is aiming, is has a sniper rifle aimed at Dick Grayson's head. Yep. And at the last minute, is saved. Like, this is trying to bait, this is basically like every villain is trying to recreate that moment, but on Dick Grayson instead of Nightwing. So it's just, yeah. it's getting Tom a Taylor little ridiculous, with my emotions Come again. on. That, like, that's how and that like is. this <laughs> is the sort of story yeah and then this is also the sort of story that would have worked and made a lot more sense if it had come if it had been like the build up to something but instead it felt very spontaneous like like it was like oh we're here all of a sudden you know and like like I felt like it like it just felt like it was very in media res but in a way where it feels like there's no like like the context for this hasn't really existed um, and I'm starting to get a little worried about the series. Um, but I, like I said, the Jay and Irie stuff was great. The Wally mm-hmm. stuff was great. I think there's a great history there. I thought there's a lot of things that were great about this. I just think that it's on notice, right? It's on notice. You're on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Venice's <laughs> run went nowhere. And uh, this is starting to get up there. And I know like there's a lot of criticism from some people in like certain fan community in certain DC comics criticism or comics criticism circles that are starting to be like this is just like fan service the book and at some point you have to like tell something of substance and I'm starting to feel a little that way with this bear with this we have another crossover after we just had the Titans after we just had the you know but I'm enjoying it decently so it's and after what Nightwings has been through I really can't complain but so much about like a just somewhat. I want to say generic, but like a more like standard Nightwing story. I'll I'll give you that. I, yeah. I am looking yeah. forward to where it is. Now I, the the pacing and the things that have happened, other than the things that have made me wince, because again, Tom Taylor is fucking with my emotions. Um, I I haven't really had a problem with it, but I am looking forward to when we do get past the public backlash via bad guys of Dick Grayson becoming basically a good guy, people of the person Bruce Wayne. You know, he's that fucking loaded. And, um, you know, the things that he's trying to do for the town and get rid of the the criminals that run it, it's, it's going to cause a natural backlash. I, I, I buy the storyline. But I, I do not want it to drag out for six months. I, I, I'm, I'm completely with you on that, Nathan. Completely. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Well, I could All I right. could handle a couple months. No more than that, though. Yeah. <laughs> Did we all give our scores? So what's next on the list? I don't remember if I gave, I gave mine. mine. If I'm I an didn't. eight. I'm a nine. I'm an eight point two five. Fair enough. 
All right, next on the list, we're going to head on over to Yield Gotham City. Uh, we're looking at Catwoman number 41. And this is Me from writer how? Tini Howard with art from Nico Leon with colors from Veronica Gandini and letters from Tom Napolitano. Now, Selena is working with the mysterious Valmont, that masked person that suspiciously looks like uh, Ghostmaker. Right. Yeah, I keep thinking that, but there's no way. <laughs> but she doesn't like his methods as he kills his targets. To her, it's a choice she can live with, though, as she needs to get back at the men that killed Christy. Valmont has a contact that disposes of the body he leaves behind, and it's none other than Flamingo, the known cannibal. Selena doesn't like this, so she goes to intercept Flamingo, and Valmont then gets stopped by Onyx, an ex-League of Assassins member. Selena meets Onyx after she takes down Valmont, and the two then go to figure out Selena's mafia problem. After a debate over Selena's methods, the pair then suit up and find Dario Tommaso. It is Tommaso, right? I autocorrected me to Tommaso. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Oh, there we go. Tommaso, <laughs> who has been scorned by his father and now seeks to prove himself by blowing up his father's building, because that is a natural idea. Selena and Onyx choose to stop him and convince him True to work with them instead. <laughs> Uh, their target is the Sullivans, starting with Finbar's boxing club. Selena and Onyx go inside and take down the guys that are there, while Dario is watching the door. However, he gets made and decides to pepper spray all the people that are interrogating him to get away, but now he's in trouble because he was seen, is recognized, and now his father knows what's happening. So Selena takes both Onyx and Dario back to her apartment where Onyx makes her leave after she says she's now satisfied with Selena's goals and Selena then makes up a bed on her couch for Dario and heads to bed herself. Not long after that, Eko's assassins have appeared in the apartment and they're ready to take out Dario. Uh, still loving the story and the art, I think it's a great new direction for Catwoman. As much as I love Romvi's story, this is like... It's interesting. It's a new twist. I like it. And I can't wait to see what Tini Howard has in store for the future. It's an 8.75. It's, I, I don't want to call it fun because there's been a lot of murder. But it's, it's been an interesting ride. I'm, I'm really digging it. Yep, uh, yeah, Tini keeps tearing this weakest. up. Go ahead. Yeah, she's been doing great. Yeah. Uh, I think for me this is the weakest of the stories of the, the of the series so far in this run. Um I think there's like I think a lot of what made this book really spectacular was its ability to talk about the power dynamics in like really powerful ways. I think this took a bit of a step back in that direction. Um I think one thing that's really made the series though really interesting and compelling is that it's been a great example of how do you take a great run something that's been very well loved that was phenomenal and use that momentum and that storytelling to keep the story going forward and i think it's really done a great job with that you see that for example when catwoman's taking in the stray and saying like what does it mean for me to take in a stray that's not just like a good soul and heart that has a lot of like darkness in him right mm -hmm. um and i think the black flag's been a or black mask has been a great villain um, I think that's been really fun. I'm still don't feel like I know any of the crime lords very well. Um, and I They're feel like the, the story continues. Aware. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they're also, like, not getting enough time to be fleshed out. And the Asian woman then having a set of Asian villains feels very generic and kind of stereotypical in the same way, like, lots of, like, oh, I'm the Asian woman who runs the mafia and it's, like, specifically that has, like, ninjas or whatever, right? Like... It is the Yakuza. I mean, you have to be Asian. Yeah, so, like, I'm a little... I'm a little... I didn't love the ending. Um... I think the Onyx Catwoman dynamic was really interesting, but I felt like they were a little cautious about diving into that dynamic. There was a lot of teasing about what their relationship is when Catwoman's like, oh, refers to like her type being like similar to Onyx, right? Like the obvious implication is I, you're the kind of person I find attractive or you're the kind of person I would want to date or make out with. But like, they're very hesitant there. And if you're like, oh, I don't know if I got that read. Have you seen the cover of this book? Right. Did you see the cover? <laughs> yes. uh, this cover is very explicitly queer. Um, but, and Onyx especially is a very queer character. Um, so I'm a little disappointed in that regard. Um, and I think this book took a step back, but I still thought it was a pretty good issue. Um, so I'm at an eight. All right. Well, like I said before, I think Dini is tearing this up uh, in a good way. The story, I think, is progressing nicely. It's got a good, steady pace. There's wonderful art. I, I just like Rob mentioned. I, I, I still can't figure out why they would take the look of a new character that we've seen so many times in the last year. Well, his original costume, anyway. Every, every time I look at Valmont, I have to remind myself that that's not Ghostmaker. Yeah. Um, I, I was, I was, I was very bummed out about V's exit from the title. But now, I really hope that Teeny stays on for a long time. Uh, also, seeing Onyx show up was really cool, even though it felt like it was completely unnecessary for her to be there. Um, and to build upon what, or to add and reiterate what Nathan had said, I, like I said, I was I was bummed when V left. But if you read the issues. At, in, in the short amount of time that Teeny's been on this, it started out that first issue almost felt like a Rom V Teeny collaboration. And then it has just slowly moved into this. You can tell this is Teeny, but it's still building all off of, of the V framework. And I'm very excited to see where it goes. Also, I mean, um, there's been several books where there's been some steam between obviously everyone knows uh, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy are on again off again forever and ever but uh, there's been there's been a number of issues where Catwoman has kind of been thrown into that little triangle too so uh, her attraction to a female is not something that's well have you read solicit texts recently um no (laughs) solicit text so so i avoid soliciting things are coming up spoilers piss me off (laughs) i like to be i like to be i'm solicits have their place and they're great i don't have a problem you have to i i me i i when a trailer comes out i watch one for a movie that's it I wait till the final one, and that's the only one I watch, so I don't see all the good parts of a movie all crammed. You know, I just I avoid spoilers like as much as possible. But go ahead and tell me. I get that. Uh, uh, what's 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 going on with the solicit text or? 
I, I mean, I can. Uh, yeah, no, go ahead. Let's I just mean... say Harley Quinn and Catwoman have are sharing an issue together, and they're supposed to get drunk, and they said it would be a very interesting night with some kissing involved. So hmm. the implication there is we'll see some queer uh, elements of the Catwoman-Harley dynamic soon. Uh, we'll see. But uh, just going off of what you were saying earlier, I the solicits agree with you. <laughs> well, anyway. all right then. Good. <laughs> we do that a lot on the show. Anyway, you guys ready to zoom on to the next book? I'll zoom we will. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the Flash. We're gonna, yeah, like you said, zoom. <laughs> zoom. Not Professor Zoom. Just regular Oh, zoom. God. Slower. <laughs> and Josh is going to zoom his way into the review with this. Now I feel like I'm in a Mazda commercial. <laughs> can, Flash I, can I numbers... just say? Go ahead. Can I just say? Sorry that that old, that Mazda commercial, the voiceover for that, and I never got confirmation on this. Is that not the same voice actor that did the Batman cartoon in the mid two thousands? I oh, always God. figured that was it. Sounded just like him, and I never got confirmation on that. I have no idea, but I think oh, Google man. knows. See, Google didn't help me. <laughs> well, then I have no clue, man. Yeah, IMDb, try that. Knows, please tell me, because I've been waiting, I've been, like trying to figure it out for like 15 years. <laughs> just Twitter, email, whatever. Inquiring minds want to know. Yes. But, all right, Flash <laughs> number 780, written by Jeremy Adams, with art by Will Conrad, colors Jeremy Cox, Matt Herms, and Peter Patin- Pantizas. Oh God, I can never say his last name. With Rob letter with Rob Lee on letters and wrapped in a cover from Rafa Sandoval and Alex Sinclair. And it's gorgeous, by the way. This issue starts out with me scooping up this title to review without remembering that it's an Earth 3 tie-in. But seriously, <laughs> folks. <laughs> uh Johnny Quick has an inner monologue about how no one knows that they'll all be destroyed, but they will know and it will be quick. Carrying over from last issue, Linda is running around looking for her kids, and she's got the power of the Speed Force seemingly out of nowhere, so she's running around really fast. She has no luck, burns through her shoes, and gets a call from Jay, a.k.a. Granddaddy Flash, to report that he and Bart have had no luck finding them either. Uh, Before she can get off the phone, Wally and the three children, Jay, Irie, and their friend Maxine Baker of the Animal Girl variety, poof back in front of her. He says, hey, let me zoom Maxine home, and uh, it'll be quick. Apparently, Buddy and her don't just live in the same city, but also the same neighborhood. In Iron Heights, the warden is seen meeting with Blacksmith. Ugh. Blacksmith is an old enemy of Wally's that pops up about every five years or so and rallies Wally's enemies, controls the rogues, leads them to kick some flash ass. So, pretty decent character. Uh, she was created in 2001 by Jeff Johns and Evan Evan Van Go Fuck Yourself. Uh, that tiny info dump was just so I could say that. Next, we are in the kitchen with Wally and Linda. Wally catches Linda up on everything that's happened to him and says he can't handle any more hiccups right now, so Linda doesn't tell him about her newly acquired powers. 
flash back to Johnny Quick at the Flash Museum, and he is apparently looking for the cosmic treadmill, disappointed to find a fake one. And that's when Wally shows up and punches him out. Johnny says Waller is the only one that can save us all from the darkness that's coming and uses his tapped in tap into the speed force to sense that the treadmill is in the basement. Mirror Master pops in too, sent by Rick Flag, while Wally and Johnny battle it out, and Johnny momentarily gets the upper hand just to get punched again by Mirror Master coming through the treadmill's control panel. And he's there to destroy the treadmill so Waller can't use it. Wally gets caught up and not knowing that Mirror Master is kinda sorta one of the good guys now, and he lets Johnny quick zoom off with the comic tread- cosmic treadmill before they can stop him. Wally wants to know what's going on, but Mirror Master says that there's no time. The story continues in next week's Teen Titans Academy. This, by far, is probably the best Earth 3 tie-in book that I've ever read. I really enjoyed it, quick as it, quick as it was, but um, tis. The art is always fantastic in the Flash book, and this week is no different. This part of the Earth 3 arc actually has me looking forward to the next issue, which, again, for any regular listeners out there, that's something that I have never said about an Earth 3 book. That yeah, makes I'm this one. Now. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I know, right? I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> but uh, this, this makes this issue a little bit more special uh, for me, and the score reflects that. So I, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Right on. Yeah, as far as tie-ins go, um, I was stunned by it. Yeah, I mean, I love this first book. I thought it was a great example of what the potential and future of tie-ins can be. Um, One reason why was it was not obtrusive to the book as a whole. I felt like I was reading a Flash issue first and foremost. Um, And then, like, but, like, it's, like, the way that, like, this other thing intersects. I felt like, 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 what I was expecting was it to feel like an Earth 3 book that also has the Flash but it really felt like a flashbook that also that involves Earth 3. And I thought it was really fun. I liked all the little implications, but I also felt like we got a lot of progression on the Flash storyline. Uh, with uh, I don't understand what was going on with Linda getting powers. That was bizarre to me. Um, and that I am so confused by that. Um, but I really liked the way it felt like a War, 3, a Earth, War for Earth 3 book without feeling that need. And I love the line where, where Barry's like, where Wally's like, Wally, I'm sorry, is like, can you explain to me what's going on? And he's like, I don't got the time for that. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was really fun. Where it's like, you didn't, like, if you weren't following Earth 3 at all, you could have still really enjoyed that book. Um, And I thought there was a lot of fun stuff there. And I loved the implication of Waller's worried about incoming darkness. It's interesting. All these books are slowly starting to come together for some sort of dark crisis. Weird. It's almost like there's an event coming. But I'm really enjoyed it, so. <laughs> yeah, as far as times uh, go, it's uh, oh yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, as far as tie-ins go, it's very simple. It's uh, not heavily bogged down by the overall story, which I think is is pretty much how it should go. I was asking during part two, like. Flash hasn't even made an appearance yet. How the hell are they going to have this story connect and take over the whole book for a week? But it, it makes perfect sense. It's it's a good story that connects to War for Earth 3, but stays very much in its own lane. 
uh, I'm okay with it. I'm happy with it. And yeah, the the art was good. The implications and, and warnings that Johnny Quick is giving, uh, very curious. And yeah, there's de definitely some stuff coming that potentially has to do with Dark Crisis. So yeah, as Nathan said, it's all starting to come together. And Johnny Quick <laughs> with Speed Force, who knows where that's going to go if they even run with that. Um, Because there, there's a whole bunch that he was dead for like 10 years, I think. Something like that from what... It, I think that's what it showed in Suicide Squad. So he he hasn't been around in a long time. Yeah. So so who knows what he was doing the whole time he was in the Speed Force? We know what other speedsters have been doing in the Speed Force and how they went through. But Johnny Quick, very different type of speedster. Uh, so with this, I gave an eight point two five out of ten. I rather really enjoyed it. I can tell you what he wasn't doing in the Speed Force, and that was getting those stupid tattoos lasered off. <laughs> yeah, lightning bolts can only do so much it's not the right type of laser <laughs> and with that we go to our last book of the week and that is detective comics number 1057 and i'm going to give it on over to nathan to wrap us up hey for context for everybody this is my favorite book that dc is releasing right now they don't agree. I know my co-hosts here don't agree, but uh, let's talk about this. So, context. Okay. Penguin is outside. This is fourth straight enter. The party crashers are inside trying to get back at Dr. Ware. Some of them not realizing Dr. Ware is dead. Um, there are a couple of groups inside, including Harley and Dr. Meridian, Stephanie and Tim, Helena, and Batman, who just arrived from dealing with Batman, Inc. Uh, Mayor Nakano's wife and Psycho Pirate are to get, uh, together under attack by an illusion. Um, so while Batman begins, Batman begins by trying to get to Mayor Nakano, he runs into the party crashers. Tim Drake, trying to get to Mayor Nakano, runs into Penguin's crew, but Batwoman arrives to save him. Harley is fighting the party crashers, and after batting away a gas, a Joker gas grenade, or I guess it was a fear gas grenade, Lady Clayfoot, Lady Clayface has apparently been in this building undercover or something along those lines, and arrives to help. Anna Volusion seeks to kill Psycho Pirate, discussing how her trauma comes from men who want to control her, and how she wants payback as he, he controlled her. Um, Helena tries to figure out where Psycho Pirate is after using her visions, which are like, oh, I can sense when people are about to be killed, and uh, they find Anna, right, and they and she and Anna fight. Uh, Koyuki, who's a, the Mayor Nakana's wife, tries to get Psycho Pirate to help, but he's too weak uh, to really do much to stop Anna Volusion, uh, but Batwoman, and meanwhile, Batman, Batwoman, Tim Drake, and Cassandra. I think it was an editorial mistake, because I think it should be Stephanie, or there was some sort of scene missing there. Um, mm -hmm. But they meet up with Scarecrow, uh, and they note how they're fighting again, um, after it's been only a couple months since uh, Fierce Date. And uh, Scarecrow puts on Psycho Pirate's mask, the Medusa mask, which I thought was kind of cool. It was like an oh shit moment. And then Psycho Pirate arrives, and they try to stop Scarecrow by being like, you are confused! Uh, but he's too weak, uh, but Cass uses the distraction to kick the mask off uh, Scarecrow's face. And as Koyuki picks up the Medusa mask, we flash forward to a, reflecting, to a scene reflecting on how putting on the ma mask felt right, and that she was ready for it, and that by putting on the mask, it helped her overcome her fear. It seems we have a new psycho pirate, everybody. That's and it's the Mayor it like. wife, which is... Super cool. Uh, I think part of it, because Mayor Nakano's whole thing is anti-mask, right? That's how he started his campaign. And right. now his own wife is yeah. being alerted into mask. 
And I just think that's super interesting. And um, the story is awesome. I don't know why anyone can hand this book. Uh, I love this book. There's so many cool moments. Uh, the stuff with Psycho Pirate was great. Um, I know that one thing that they've talked about is that someone's after Psycho Pirate. Presumably it's a Dark Crisis, Dark Side related thing. Um, and that I think this like new Psycho Pirates was a cool reveal. Um, I didn't necessarily need more Joker, but I mean, the, or more Scarecrow content, but it does make sense that the Scarecrow is there. Um, and I'm, I'm very curious to see where this end goes and what happens to the tower as a whole. Um, I'm very excited. I think it'll be great. Yeah, dude. It's a um, nine for me. With all the shit talking that we had done in Discord, I, excuse me, I had done in Discord about what was going on in, in the tower. I actually liked this issue. It was really good. There were a few surprises that I didn't see coming. I think that I thought it was really good because we weren't re-examining the same issue over again, but this was a culmination of what was going on, everything that we had seen before. Like uh, Koyuki putting on the mask. Um, I think also that we are looking at a new Psycho Pirate on our hands, and that's cool. Of course, the beauty of the art nearly goes without mentioning, but it wouldn't be a full review if we didn't. Yeah. It's so good. It's awesome. Uh, it always is in Detective, or has been for quite some time now. I'm glad that this took an upswing, because up until now, as far as this story art goes, I really haven't enjoyed an issue since the second one. The value of redemption is sometimes found in patience, I suppose. Now... On to wondering what happens next, That's man. ridiculous. <laughs> I'm excited. Next week, next week cannot come soon enough. I'm very excited to see how this ends. Um, but I'm just amazed that you guys aren't as big of a fan of this. Because I just think there's been so many really cool moments throughout that have been, like, really fun and investing. And I think part of, like, it being a weekly series has only really helped that. Where I'm not waiting a month for each issue. So, like, even on, like, when it's slower, it's like, oh, it keeps getting more and more interesting, you know? And I think uh, this is the best work Mariko Tamaki has done at DC. Um, and I think she's solidifying herself as one of the DC's top writers. Uh, now, um, I wouldn't put that... Okay, so I have liked, up until this, I've liked what uh, Tamaki has done. Uh, I didn't like your Wonder Woman run, but everything she's done with Batman has been fantastic i've been a fanboy of it like pretty much hardcore my problem with the arc of the tower the shadow of the bat to me i believe looking back at it after reading this issue is the fact that everything every issue seems to have happened in like a two minute time frame and it it like i i had mentioned it before it almost felt like i was reading an episode of 24 i don't know if you guys remember that shit or not but like yeah. it was all in, it was all in real time and I, it just felt like the story kept doubling over on itself i'm not saying that there weren't good moments there definitely were and tamaki as 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 far as tamaki goes inside the batman books she does a phenomenal job of making sure that I and probably everybody else recognize that these are the right voices for each of these characters. She gets them solid. She gets them right. Every time, every beat, there's nothing that feels out of step and making, making, especially the bat family, making my favorite characters, uh, behave differently 
or or speak differently get out of their normal character for no reason whatsoever that's a huge pet peeve of mine and tamaki never does that bendis i'm looking at you i'll never let it go ducktales is not <laughs> something batman would say anyway um it, it i i i really do I, I haven't changed my opinion on the previous issues, but I am back in because of this one. And I honestly, I can't wait to see where it goes, especially now that my return of the Scarecrow fears have been put to rest. That's a good deal. This is a good part of the book. It's still not a detective story like Rob and I have been clamoring for. But I hold out hope that we'll get there after this wraps up. I gave I gave the first part of this book an 8 out of 10. Yeah, my my problems with this story arc are very much my own and just personal nitpicks. As like Josh said, I just want a full detective story. I want a mystery, and so far this hasn't really been like a detective story. There's been some mysteries, but no more mysteries than he gets some from any other regular Batman story. It never never felt like a proper detective story where right. you know you're going through clues, you're gathering evidence, you're involving suspects you're interrogating and you don't actually find out the culprit until the final part where you get your poirot moment and everybody's in the room like i love that shit i eat that shit up and that's not what this was for detective comics as a batman story i think it's very good but as a detective comic story it's not a detective comic story add on to the fact that i don't really like the story trope where you start the first part of the story halfway through the story and then you just rewind to the beginning and then catch up i don't like that i hate that if you want to tell me the story tell me from the beginning that just takes me right out of it but for this issue very good we're getting to the end game all that other stuff is in the past and i am super excited and curious to see how it ends i froze holy shit i lost my nose <laughs> <laughs> what the that's hell? right nathan okay, rob and i have been tossing around uh, our, our wishes for detective comics to go back to 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 i don't know go back it's been so long but to actually be like a a detective themed book where we have characters mainstay characters like a team of deb donovan uh uh um renee montoya and, and the like coming together and actually working um working in a way on, on on local gotham cases in what in what bendis tried to do in checkmate and we're we've been holding our breath and and crossing our fingers so long we're about to pass out and have arthritis but <laughs> how would you feel about that if they took detective away from batman and made it predominantly, predominantly just de- just mystery slash detective stories featuring good, uh, s- smart individuals who typically take up a detective See, type role. Yeah. Here's my thing. I don't. I think what detect when detective comics is at its best is when it's the detective side of the Batman family. Um, mm-hmm. if it's just purely. For example, the action comics, Tales of Metropolis or whatever, there, there was a Martian Manhunter story. It was fully a mystery, detective story. Not great. Felt like out of place. 
if that was the story for Detective, I would not be very entertained. The Deb Donovan backs issues have been fine. Um, where, like, I know that, like, there's, like, and that was for the purpose of, like, investigation of Task Force C, right? And I just, I've not been convinced that there's enough interesting substance there. Where I have been convinced that there's enough of is I thought the investigating of the tower and, like, looking into what's going on with the tower and trying to figure out that puzzle and the different pieces was really cool. And I think that this is a, that the tower is a much better example of what Detective Comics should be. Which is the more, which is more the detective side of the Batman family team, right? As that's where I'm at personally. But I get what you're saying. I just, in my like, like to me, Detective Comics is a Batman. It's a, it's the second Batman story, and it's meant to act as sort of the supplement. And I think one of the ways it can act as the supplement is being sort of the investigative side of Batman. No, I agree with you as far as looking back and saying that's what it used to be uh the the detective side of the of of the batman stories and it being a supplement to the batman itself however batman is in everything and that's not going to stop because he sells books i mean that's 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 just the way that it is but you know given the fact that it is called detective it's not batman the detective the detective comics with batman I almost feel with with and I'm, I know Rob agrees with me with when we're talking about a Batman book, fine, but we've got a title here called Detective, and we do have so many. And I'm not just saying Deb Donovan, and I don't want like an anthology book or a rotating cast. I think it would be fantastic if we got good Batman adjacent characters that aren't in a shit ton of other books if we that that we don't need we don't need dick grayson showing up in in detective comics we don't need batman showing up in detective comics but having the question um a, a reporter you know a gotham version of lois lane that would be that would be great um throwing the oracle in there i would not have a problem with that she sits behind the controls and runs the whole bat family perfect uh, I would even throw I mean, in that's what she was doing Huntress here. or just... Huntress or, well, yeah, but that's what she does in every every book. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm just saying throw her in to fill that role. As far as as far as the detective know. themed think... comic book goes, you think we should just yeah. keep it a Batman title? So, I, well, I mean, it's called Batman just... Detective Comics. It's not called Detective it's Comics. Not, it's though. Batman Detective Comics. So it hasn't no, been. No, I mean Batman every single cover for time. forever. It's been called Batman, and then Detective Comics. It's, it's always been sort of the subtitle. Like, look at the logo. The first word in the logo is Batman, and then Detective, yeah. and then in small words, Comics. It's the it's the detective side of Batman, and I think this is a great detective. And I think the tower is a great detective side of Batman story, the Batman family, Oracle behind the chair investigating what's going on, and I think it's been great. Um, I now this now I'm pretty confident there was a bit of a mix up, right? Because um, Cassandra Kane should have been guarding Oracle, and Bart and Stephanie Brown should have been uh, should have been. So there was a bit of a m- mistake with the writing on this issue. But uh, mm-hmm. generally speaking, like this, this issue's great. I want more of this. I don't want this Deb Donovan's pitch. 
I don't think it'd be terrible, but I think it would be a dramatic drop in the quality. So that's kind of where I'm at. But I get what you're saying. Fair enough. That's fair. It felt a little harsh, but <laughs> it's not. It's not harsh, no. man. <laughs> nope. Any valid opinion is 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 isn't being an asshole. But all right, we still have half an issue left. Oh, did I get my score? I gave it an eight out of ten. But um, we do have half an issue left, or at least the back half of an issue. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so very short. Batman investigates a break-in to Gotham gas and water supply. He discovers a redirection in the sewers, and he and the three robins investigate. They discover that all of this was a trap, as the Scarecrow, Croc, and Clayface all ambush Batman. This was the most filler of filler issues I have ever read. This. This mini series, this mini backup story has been wild, and this was by far the least enjoyable of all of those issues combined. Uh, this was n- terrible, uh, super fillery. Uh, I have no good words for this. Uh, this is actively destroying the pacing of the series, which has been pretty cool. I've always said like I don't necessarily love this, but it's been wild. Uh, and this was bad. Uh, this is a three. <laughs> It felt like a completely different story, and I'm not sure what to think of it. I thought for a second yeah. that we got the name of the kid, but no. And he makes no appearance in this issue at all. I'm confused. I'm confused as hell. I'm not sure what the hell is supposed to be happening here. And for a story that I stopped being into a while ago, because it wasn't really going anywhere, it was just time jumps, like Flash with a bad day. Um, I, I just I don't think that's a good thing. Unless... That is, we're in the middle of another time jump, signified by the caption at the beginning of the story that says a few days ago. But given the crazy timeline that we've had, I no idea from what time it's a few days ago from, if that even makes any sense to say. The art is good, but well, I'm not... I mean, no, we, we know, because when the story started, like, like this is post-No Man's Land. This is when, a little bit after, Joker would have poisoned the water supply in Gotham. Which would have been around when the whole chaos around uh, Jim Gordon Jr. would have happened. Right? Or James Gordon or whatever his J- name is. Yeah. James Gordon uh, so Jr. So this is definitely a time jump. Like, yeah. So this is a little bit after that. So, I mean, like, they, they clearly establish where this is in the timeline. There's also the third Robin, but this is pre-Damian. Um... Because Tim Drake is the current Robin, and he's not like the like more mature version of the current Robin. He's like the young one, right? Um, but this book just felt out of place compared to the rest of the series. And I generally have enjoyed the rest of the series. I think it's been a little wild. It's been all over the place. But I always enjoy when books do some time jumping to sort of remind people of the history of Gotham. Because um, I think it's very there's a lot of important, interesting moments, right? From Earlier in the series, we had Ivy. We had the moment where Ivy takes over the massive part of Gotham as like her own sanctuary. And, like we've had mm-hmm. a wide range of like moments in Gotham's history, and I think that's been fun. But this was not it. No, I'm gonna. I'm I'm with you on that one. This got a four out of me. Yeah, I forgot to even uh, rate this one. Not because I didn't enjoy it, but I, I kind of just was rushing my detective <laughs> uh, review, and I just didn't get a chance to rate out this one. Um, looking at timeline, though, like I, I'm just looking at the costumes, and I'm thinking this is modern day, if not the last one or two years. Just looking at at Jason and Tim's costumes, 
and even Dix, this is like his costume just before his current Tom Taylor one, and that Tim costume it looks very reminiscent of the one he's currently wearing, and Jason wearing that red hood with the mask is pretty much just before Task Force Z. Uh, so I, I'd, I'd figure this takes place more modern, and we're getting to the end of the story. There's only one part left, so it would make sense that we're going to catch up to where this boy ends up in modern-day society. And yeah, he, he wasn't in it. Uh, it is a, a if, It was definitely a filler part of this part of the story, but... Way filler. I, yeah, I didn't hate <laughs> it. It's part 11, and it, it's really just a way to catch us up to the modern day until we get to the the boy at the end when you only get nine ten pages to work with i guess you only get so much space if there was more if this was like a full issue it would definitely not feel like a filler i'd say it would only be um parts of it would be this and you'd actually have the main character of the story involved uh but i've honestly been enjoying this to me this is is more of a mystery um and i'm really digging it but to rate this six Wow, that seems really high. <laughs> this was such a filler issue. You got to drop this so much lower. This was all filler. There was not a single moment in here that was not filler. Yep, no, hundred percent. I mean, that's fine, um, but I, I don't, I don't hate like filler some... stories. That's the thing. I, I, some of my favorite stories have been filler stories, and to me, this, this backup has been more of a mystery in detective it's comics. It's the penultimate issue. Time. Why are we having filler? Yeah, but this is the final issue. This is the second, the final issue. Why are we having filler with one issue left? Because uh, like, they they counted the wrong when they pitched it. <laughs> I guess <It's laughs> weird. Oh man, I I agree I'm with you. Uh, All okay, right. So well, what's left? Right. Well, uh, that's it for so the books. Now I suppose it. it's our time. We did yeah. it. yeah it is that's our reviews and now it's time for our top three and our favorite moments if you got one uh nathan why don't you kick it off for us and top three books um i i did not prepare this ahead of time Um, (laughs) that's all right Uh, i'll tell you what i can go ahead and go first while you while you gather your thoughts there sounds great uh my top three at number three, unbelievably, is an Earth 3 book. It actually made it into my top three. Um, I know that gave me a headache, too. Uh, Flash is here for sure, narrowly, just narrowly beating out Nightwing. Number two goes to Batman the Night. I fucking loved it. And number one was World's Finest with Superman and Batman teaming up. My favorite moment, though, I think... no. It definitely does. My favorite moment actually comes from Wonder Woman 785, where Diana descends and throws herself into the competition. I think that I I like it so much because it has the potential to explode the Amazonian universe. So many possible storylines. And I'm so many ideas for storylines that just pop into my head. And I'm super into all of them. Plus, it looked pretty cool. So that was my top three in my favorite moment. Rob, what did you have? Uh, so I had that number three, I put in Wonder Woman. Uh, it's just a fun ride so far with this event, and I really didn't hate the backup. I just feel it would be better place as its own thing, like the first one ended up being. 
Uh, number two is Nightwing, just loving the run so far, loving the series. And uh, number one is World's Finest, and honestly, World's Finest number one as well. It's it's a great first issue and a great introduction to a new series. And for favorite moments, I gave it the last page of Blue and Gold. Because as I stated, I'm a big fan of Dan Jurgens and his solo run for Booster Gold. And I won't give you're away just not going to drop what that is, are you? I am not, because, hell, if you're not reading this, go friggin' read it. (laughs) (laughs) If you you liked that Booster Gold Solo run, go read this book. I am not going to drop the surprise. One more issue to go, and this is where they give it to us. It is seriously a very enjoyable, non-consequential to the larger scheme of things book. So you don't have to be tied into anything else. There's not going to be any tie-ins to this book. It's just blue and gold being blue and gold, having a good old golden time. And uh, I'm with Rob, too. I guess I won't fucking say it. All right, Nathan, (laughs) are you ready for your top three and favorite moment? Number three, yeah, we got this, okay. Number three, The Flash number 780. Um, Great great use of a tie-in. I think it's a great thing to study moving forward in terms of how you can progress the story forward in terms of a crossover without interrupting the event as a whole. Or like the the series it's take it's like tying in with, uh, number two Wonder Woman seven eighty five kind of a uh, this is Trial of Amazons is great this was another great issue of it um, I'm so happy this event is going on and then to close it off at number one Shadows of the Bat Batman Detective Comics with uh ten fifty seven and my favorite moment of the week was Cole Yuki putting on the mask so I just thought that was phenomenal and really cool. And um, it'll stick with me for a while. Um, if it I will. ever, whenever I do my best moments of the year, something tells me this will be in the top twenty-five. So I'm excited for that. Oh yeah, um, I will say after me and you had been talking about how much I couldn't stand Psycho Pirate and how much you enjoy Psycho Pirate, I am very interested to see where this new Psycho Pirate is going to take us because that idea is cool as hell. Psycho Pirate. I think he has a lot of potential. He's, he's probably the most threatening B level villain. Like he's like he's such a non threat, but he's also like super super dangerous always. Yeah. And I just like that part of him. Um, yeah, and that, then that so Force Book. Uh, um, yeah, we like are about to get into. The oh, that's nasty. What's your stink list today, Nathan? Uh, this is Justice League. It's I'm so thankful it's over. Let's go. Uh, yeah, it's almost do. not yeah. in the stink list. I'm glad it's the final issue, <laughs> which is kind of cool. <laughs> right. Um, but that's where I'm at. Um, and yeah, th- there you go. Yeah, I almost chose the last page that's, of Justice this... League as my favorite moment because it's the last one Bendis is writing. <laughs> but I decided not to be a dick about it. Yeah, ew, Justice League. It was total Oops. stinker. Rob, is this unanimous? Uh, I gave it to the Flash. No, no, it's, it's definitely Justice League. <laughs> yeah. uh, Justice League is is going bye bye in more ways than one, and I'm oddly okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I almost yeah, so kill him off. The days I'm of looking... You know what's funny? Yeah, what's that? You know what's funny though. 
I remember the last time I was on this podcast, I said, hot take, Justice League comics are completely overrated. We don't actually need Justice League comics ever. And that. DC and apparently Heroes. listened to me. And the next month later, they're like, we're killing off all the Justice League. And I'm like, great. I'm, I, I'm telling It'll you, Nathan, I'm, I'm telling you, that happens on this podcast all the time. It's weird as yeah, shit. But there's some uh-huh. clear We've got no connections to the industry. <laughs> <laughs> None whatsoever, but... It keeps mm-hmm. happening, so that's cool. I'm watching yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> somebody is anyway. Uh, all right, guys, start telling us something. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's it for the show, eh? Yeah, that is it for the show. So remember, you can help support us by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NAR podcast for just a dollar a month. And you get your name shout out on the podcast of your choice, access to all of our material and more, as I stated earlier. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time. Nathan doesn't know this part. I never get this this set before I do it. (laughs) It's all right. Uh, Don't become a robot. Close enough. All right, guys. Oh boy. Yeah. It's hilarious that I argue with you about Psycho Pirate and The Tower and Earth 3. And I'm into all fucking three of them this week. <laughs> How did that happen? I'm just the best. Right. I know what's going on. <laughs> It is. What can I say? Uh, next week. Uh, so it's what? Action Comics 41. Hell yeah. Deathstroke number 7. Hell yeah. That's the prelude to Shadow War. Uh, Detective Comics finale. Harley Quinn Year 2 Begin. Uh, Task Force Z number 6. And Robin number 12. Prelude to Shadow War. And Earth 3 Part 4 with Titans Academy. No idea what that one's going to be. So... We'll find out. 